0: Hey there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for Coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome to another episode of t for c If you're interested in the law, then this is the episode for you. Because my next guest is a practicing intellectual property attorney who specializes in trademark and copyright law, among other things. And she's the host of her own podcast, but before I introduce you to Christina Martini, I want to make sure that you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's our weekly newsletter that we blast out on Mondays, giving you a sneak peek of the episodes and the professionals we're going to be featuring that week. And it is super easy to do. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time the number for coffeeorg and sign up. Now, my Java lovers, please grab your mug and take a chug of a delicious mocha latte with almond or coconut milk, because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Christina Martini, a practicing intellectual property attorney and partner at McDermott, Will & Emery. Christina focuses on domestic and international trademark and copyright law, as well as domain name, internet, social media, advertising, unfair competition, and entertainment law. In addition to her full-time practice and various leadership roles at the firm, Christina is also the host of the Paradigm Shift podcast, a podcast about the intersection of business and law. Christina,
1: welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? I am fully caffeinated and ready to go. Thanks so much, Andrea. Wonderful. So
0: what is your favorite caffeinated beverage today? I just did a straight
1: up Pike coffee from Starbucks, uh, Venti. Nice. Oh my gosh. Do you actually finish it? Yes, I do. Usually. Sometimes I don't, but I would say 90% of the time I do. And what do you do? You do it black or do you like to
0: put something in it?
1: I like to put half and half in as well as a packet of raw sugar. Oh my goodness.
0: So you are (laughs)
1: wired. (laughs) I am wired and I'm ready to go and I'm so excited to be on your show. Excellent. So let's dive
0: right into the 10 espresso shots. The first shot is... What entry-level jobs, Christina, are available to young people who want to break into your field and let's say specifically into the intellectual property field?
1: Well, there are a lot of different types of jobs that could be available to a young professional or to somebody who's still in school. And it really depends on where they are in their academic or professional career. For example, law graduates usually look at law firms or potentially working at companies in their law departments, although those jobs tend to be harder to find right out of law school. Or sometimes law graduates decide that they want to pursue a public interest career. For law students who are interested in finding jobs before they graduate, they're able to get the same types of jobs as you can get right out of law school. In addition, judicial clerkships While they're available to folks right out of law school, and I do a lot of hiring in the legal space, I tend to see more of them while folks are in law school as internships or externships with judges. And then finally, for undergraduates, we as a firm and other places that I've seen, law firms and otherwise, often will offer internships to those college students that are thinking about a career in the law and who would like to experience what it's like to work in a legal environment. So as you can see... There are a number of different opportunities.
0: Fantastic. So you mentioned that you do a lot of hiring. Yes, I do. What is a useful skill or skills, Christina, that you look for in the young people that you hire?
1: There are a number of skills or qualities that I look for when we're interviewing law students and also when we're interviewing lawyers that have been practicing for a few years. But most of the hiring that I do is for law student hiring and getting ready for once they graduate. And the types of qualities I look for, and I think a lot of us look for, are people who are academically smart. And that's really a given among the folks that we tend to interview, but also people who are good communicators who are collaborative, who are nimble, have grit, have a real client service orientation because that's what this job is about, and who also have a fire in the belly, meaning that they really will go through a brick wall for a client and are ambitious and really want to continue to develop at a steep trajectory so that they can be the best lawyer they can be as quickly as possible.
0: Wonderful. What about someone's major, and this very much is for the undergraduates, do you see it as a deciding factor, an important factor that they study a particular or have a particular major to
1: get into this field? I would say that law is actually pretty flexible in terms of the different types of majors that you see with different students who are looking to get into the law. I'm an engineer by training. I actually think people who come from a science or an engineering background tend to have a really interesting framework within which they reason. And I think from that perspective, that background is particularly helpful. But I would also say people who study history, criminal justice, political science, you often see those types of backgrounds as well among the people that end up going to law school. And those tend to be helpful as well.
0: Yeah. I can't wait to talk with you about your engineering major as an undergrad and what convinced you to make that turn into the law. What about a graduate degree, Christina? Obviously, in order to become a lawyer, one has to get a law degree. But are there any other graduate school degrees that you think would be useful for someone to succeed in the field?
1: I think that depending on what people believe their specialty will be, sometimes getting those graduate degrees can be helpful beyond just getting a law degree, which, as I'm sure you know, Andrea is a doctorate. For example, if you're interested in being a patent lawyer, particularly, for example, on the biology front, it's very helpful to have a PhD in that hard science so that you are more knowledgeable going in in that area. For example, if you want to be a tax lawyer, we often see what is called an LLM in the tax area, and it's just a further specialty within the tax area. So those are some instances where we do see advanced degrees beyond just a law degree that could be helpful.
0: Great. What about life experiences? What, in your experience, Christina, are the most useful for someone starting out in this field? And by life experiences... I'm really thinking about what are the out of the classroom, in the neighborhood, out in the world kind of life experiences that you think they should be trying to get to improve their chances of landing a job, perhaps at a firm like McDermott, Will, and Emery.
1: Any types of experiences where you learn how to, I guess, conduct yourself professionally, oftentimes these are professional or work experiences, I would say those are particularly helpful. Anything that gives you a manner or a framework within which to reason, to problem solve, but to also demonstrate and practice those EQ skills. Having empathy is particularly important in this industry because we're in client service business. And I would say that any client service businesses, you need to really put yourself in the shoes of the client with whom you're working, trying to understand what their frame of reference is and to really understand what they're asking for. So, learning a client's service orientation, however you can go about doing that, is a really helpful life experience that will make you a better lawyer.
0: As you're talking, I'm wondering if working as a waiter or a waitress or a bartender or some of these jobs that we know young people have would be a useful background that would provide them with that EQ, empathetic framework.
1: Absolutely. And I've met a number of people over the years who I've interviewed who have had that type of background and who I have found Really, sometimes assuming that all of the other levers or qualities that we've been discussing are present, those sorts of backgrounds can be very helpful because those are very tough jobs. And at the end of the day, your livelihood is really dependent on the tips you get. And in order to get good tips, you really have to demonstrate great service. And I think great service is really a function of knowing what your clients need and want and expect and being able to not just deliver but surpass their expectations.
0: Great, thank you so much. What for you, Christina, is the best part of being a lawyer in the intellectual property field?
1: The best part I'd say is how every day is different. I think the intellectual property area is a very interesting one. I think it's one that everybody can relate to. Because whether it's a patented product or a patented process, or it's a brand that a particular company operates under, or it's a protected work that is generated either, for example, like artwork or written work or just a few examples, people can relate to all of these things. And what I like is that the clients I work with are so different and disparate from, from each other that makes things very interesting. And I also like being able to help people. And that helping is not just with straight up legal issues, but it's really understanding the business context in which these legal issues come up. And it's a lot of fun to get to learn clients' businesses, as well as who the players are at any given client.
0: Absolutely. That sounds fantastic. What about the flip side, Christina? Because every job, every profession, no matter how amazing it may be, has aspects of it that suck. What for you is the part of your current job that sucks the
1: most? I think a lot of people would agree with me, and I don't even think it's necessarily limited to the law. That the evolution of technology, while it's been a wonderful benefit and a blessing in many ways, particularly when it comes to being mobile and being flexible in terms of how work gets done and where it gets done from. I've been practicing long enough. It's been about 25 years since I graduated law school that I've watched the evolution of technology and how it's impacted the practice of law. And there was a time when I first started, there was no internet, people were not really using email, it was all letter or telephone. And so I would say that that has probably been some of the biggest challenges is really getting the opportunity to create a space between myself and work, knowing that clients have access to this technology, and they're often not completely shutting down either. And knowing that I need to, and I really want to be there for my clients, it is tough to be in a job that is really seven days a week, many hours a day. But I think it's something that a lot of people can relate to.
0: Absolutely. And By the way, I was alive and working way back in the olden days before email and before cell phones and before the internet. So I totally remember how peaceful it was.
1: (laughs) Relatively speaking, yes, it was. The fastest you could get something to somebody was by fax. And people really felt like that was pushing the limit back then. And wow, how things have changed, right?
0: Definitely. Christina, what is the best career advice you've ever gotten?
1: The best career advice I've ever gotten is to go to the best law school that I could get into. I was on the heels of graduating college and trying to figure out, do I go to a law school that I get a full scholarship at? Or do I go to a law school that is a top 10 or a top 15 law school? And the best advice I got was from one of my brothers who said, go to the best law school you can get into because it's going to potentially open up doors for you that other schools may not be able to open up for you, even though financially you may be better off going to another school. I'm very happy I followed that advice because I don't think that my career trajectory or the opportunities I've had since law school would necessarily have looked the same, not that they would have been any worse, or they would have definitely been different. And that is by far the best advice I've gotten.
0: Great. And I love that it is so relevant to the field that you're in, which is really terrific. Final two espresso shots, Christina. What Movies, if any, or Netflix, Amazon, Hulu shows, or fiction books—do you think accurately depict your profession?
1: It's funny. I would say that, to the extent that we are looking at movies, that I think were pretty accurate. There's all these Scott Turow books, as well as John Grisham books, that people say, "Well, does that really depict what a lawyer's life is like?" And I think that there's certain aspects of it that. Are really interesting and bring to life what being a lawyer is like. But I have to say that when it comes to really what law school is like, I'd say there are two things I'd like to mention. There's a show that was on many years ago called The Paper Chase, and Andrea, you probably remember it. Of course. Um, And that was quite a scary show. It's amazing to me that I even still went to law school after seeing that show, but that is one <laughs> show that I think really gives people a sense as to what law school is like. least a traditional law school. And then the book One Owl by Scott Turow, which is actually autobiographical and tells about his first year at Harvard Law School. And it's a great read. I read it two weeks before law school started and was very happy that I did
0: we will include those in show notes. And I have to say, I'm relieved to hear that you didn't mention the show Damages. No. (laughs) And if anyone hasn't watched it, it is super entertaining with Glenn Close and a number of other wonderful actors. But holy cow, that was a pretty ruthless environment. (laughs) Final espresso shot. What would Java junkies be surprised to learn about your profession, Christina?
1: that there are several states where you actually don't need to go to law school in order for you to become a lawyer. The process is a little bit different. Our listeners may have heard the story or seen the story a few days ago about Kim Kardashian West, who is actually trying to become a lawyer, not by going to law school, but by engaging in legal studies and reading. And it'll take her a few years to do that. But there are a number of states where you're able to do that. And I actually didn't even know that myself until a couple of days ago. So I found that pretty shocking or surprising. Oh
0: my gosh, but you still have to take the bar.
1: Yes, you do need to take the bar, but you don't need to do a traditional law school in order to be able to sit for the bar.
0: I didn't know that. Oh my gosh, that was a great <laughs> one. <laughs> Christina, thank you so much for making Time for Coffee today with me and the Time for Coffee community. This was fascinating.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. It was such a wonderful conversation. And I am always happy to answer any questions that your listeners may have. Thanks so much for listening
0: to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live.